0: And relentless, um, Jesus was teaching the disciples about prayer, and in Luke chapter eleven, verse five through eight, Jesus said this. He said, "Imagine you go to your neighbor's house at midnight and ask for three loaves of bread." And you say to him, someone has come to visit me, a friend, and I do not have food in my house that he may eat. And then imagine your neighbor says back, do not bother me. It's in the middle of the night. The door is locked. I'm in bed. And my family is in bed. I cannot help you. And then Jesus goes on to say, He may not help you because of the friendship. But if you keep on asking, He will give you whatever you want. Parents in the room. How many of you say, that is gospel if I've ever heard it. If you keep on asking, he will give you whatever you want. Jesus is talking about praying with fervency and being relentless while you pray. In James chapter 5, verse 16, it says this. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. A fervent prayer. Fervency is measured by passion and intensity. Not volume. Passion and intensity. Charles Spurgeon said that a prayer without fervency is like hunting with a dead dog. A cold prayer is as an arrow without a head, like a sword without an edge, like a bird without wings, It cannot pierce, it cannot cut, it cannot fly to the heavens. So if you are going to pray, pray with fervency. Pray passionately, not like a child blowing bubbles to the sky. Oftentimes, We expect God to be moved by prayers that don't even move us. Are you with me? We casually throw prayers up and expect all of heaven's armies to move. Sometimes we don't even throw the prayer in the air. Sometimes we just think it and feel it. And want it, but we don't want it bad enough to pray about it. And so we build animosity towards God for not moving according to our wants and desires. Not our prayers, just our wants and desires. All of us know people who stand there with arms crossed and foot tapping, disgusted with the things of God because They think that God reads their mind and moves. Yes, He can see our thoughts and feel our emotions. But it's the fervent prayer that weighs the most. Everybody say fervency. Fervency. Come on, say it again. Fervency. Fervency. In this day and age, there is no place for the Christian who won't pray with fervency. There, You can play or you can pray. If you are not praying, you are playing. You're playing religion. Your relationship is shallow. It's smoke and mirrors. There is no relationship. There's an acknowledgement but no relationship. We all know people who acknowledge the fact that they're married because they have a wedding band on their finger. In the same way, they acknowledge they are married, but there is no intimate relationship. And who wins in that deal? No one. It is a representation of what should be, but isn't. I want to challenge you. You have significant battles in your life. And the heat of the battle in these last days is increasing. Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20 says this. In the last days many will call right wrong and wrong right. They will call what is black white and what is white black. They will call what is bitter sweet and what is sweet bitter. There are no scales of morality left anymore. There's only scales of offense. Everybody is offended by something nowadays. But that in itself is a sign of the last days. In Matthew chapter 24 verse 10 it says, Many will be offended... They will betray one another and hate one another. Have you noticed how people who have been friends for decades in a moment stop speaking to one another? The issue is not great enough to cause that type of a splinter, but the spirit behind it is. There's a spirit there, a spirit of animosity, a spirit of offense. And we cannot be the remnant that God has called us to be unless praying with fervency is part of our lifestyle. Are you with me? Put your hands together for that. There is a knowing doing gap. We know what we need to do, but we don't always do what we need to do. There's some people at the sound of my voice, I cannot preach a message that you haven't already heard. I can't share a verse that you haven't already read. But my question to you is, is there a knowing doing gap? Do you know what you need to do, but the discipline is lacking to actually do it? Anytime the discipline is missing, so will the power. There is an anointing on your life. If your heart is beating, you have the spark of God in your life. For every lady here that has had an ultrasound because you're pregnant, the first thing you see is that spark of life. It's a beating heart. The heart does not need the brain to beat. It's the spark of God. A heart can beat on its own. And then the mind is created. And then the body is created. But that's the spark of God. And that spark of God is still in you right now. And if that spark is still beating, that means your assignment is still of great importance. It is of great importance. So now that I've chased every rabbit in the woods, let me get back to my message. Thank you. Thank you for the encouragement. What was I preaching about? Fervency. Thank you. So the neighbor says, he says this, no, he says to his neighbor rather, he says, I need bread. And he said it at midnight. He said it at midnight. The fact that he went to his neighbor's house at midnight is a reflection of his desperation. He was willing to sacrifice what his reputation may be. To show up as a beggar at midnight, you are sacrificing your image and your ego. The degree of our desperation is mirrored by the degree of our sacrifice. If there is no sacrifice, the level of desperation has to be questioned. If you desperately love someone, you will sacrifice anything. I was flying to uh, Canada to go visit my wife uh, when I was about 24, 25 years old. She's Canadian. She often goes to visit with her family up there. And I remember the first time I flew to Canada, I was by myself and I fell asleep on the plane. It's about a four-hour flight. It was an afternoon flight. I looked out the window. And I almost lost my mind. Because the plane was only about a hundred yards above ground. I could see antelope and deer. True story. No exaggeration. If you think at the end of the story it was a dream. It wasn't a dream. I was freaking out sitting in my seat. I started looking around to find out if anyone else was freaking out. Nobody else. The thought crossed my mind to flag down a stewardess and hit the little button in the plane to say, do you realize that the plane is only a hundred Do you realize we're about to crash? But I didn't. And I just kind of hung on saying, I'll figure this out, I'll figure this out. It was out of my hands, but I just told myself I'd figure it out. Soon, all of a sudden, uh, the distance between the plane and the ground went back to normal, as it should be several thousand feet. And as I tried to figure out what was going on, it dawned on me, Frankie, your family lives on the East Coast. My father's family lives in New York. My mother's family lives in Florida. I've always lived in the center of the map. Michigan, Arkansas, Texas. So I always flew east. So when I was flying west, I was going over the Rocky Mountains. The Rocky Mountains are have peaks up to 14,000 feet. There are 3,000 feet of mountains that come down from British Columbia, Canada, all the way down to New Mexico. I've never gone over the Rocky Mountains before. That's why I was seeing land. I went and told my friend about this whole story that I'm telling you right now. And my friend asked me a question. He said, why didn't you tell the stewardess? And I said, I don't know. He goes, I know. Because you would rather die than look like an idiot. (laughs) And I started laughing. I said, you're exactly right. If I'm going to die, at least I'm going to die with my dignity. But the more I thought about it, I thought, no, yes, that, that was definitely in play. But also, I figured I could figure it out on my own. See, when you don't call for help and you don't pray fervently, deep down inside, you really believe you can figure it out on your own. Deep down inside, I can figure this out on my own. I don't need to be so desperate to worship and to pray. I don't need to be that desperate to pray fervently. I have figured problems out in the past and I can figure them out in the future. But there will be a day where you know that you are at the end of the rope. You are at the bottom and you have no other options. And when you reach that point, let me tell you, the Lord is ready and available to be your comforter. In Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14, it says, are not all angels sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? All of heaven is ready. To partner with you. But you have to open your mouth. And call his name. You have to. But let me go back to the parable again. The neighbor said. Do not bother me. I cannot help you. Anytime you pray fervently. You should. Expect. Two impressions. An impression. Is either a thought. Or an emotion. Any time you pray, you should expect two impressions. All of us. I experience the same two every time I pray. The first one Jesus told us about. It's in John chapter 8 verse 44. Jesus said, when he lies, he speaks his native tongue. He is a liar and the father of lies. The first impression you will feel immediately, either a thought or a feeling, is the father of lies telling you that your prayers are useless. That the lot that you have in your life is your lot. It's my cross to bear. And he will convince you to stop praying and he will bring people to your mind who prayed similar prayers to you as you are praying and it didn't work out for them. I asked the Lord about that one time because I was asking for a a particular type of relationship with him. And I thought real quickly, well, I know people who pray much more than I have. And they never had the relationship that I'm asking for. And like lightning, this thought came to my mind, which is the other voice from the Holy Spirit, told me, Frankie, mind your own business. My relationship with you has nothing to do with my relationship with them. My arrangement and plan and assignment with them has nothing to do with my arrangement and my assignment with you. Mind your own business. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will tell you things that that you just need to know. But you always know that it's the Holy Spirit when you feel your hope getting stronger. When you feel your hope dying, that's how you know that the enemy is the one speaking to you. If you're laying in bed ill and you start thinking that you're never going to get better, that's the father of lies. If you're praying for your marriage and you think to yourself, I'm married to a hard-headed guy. He's never going to get better. He might be hard-headed, but that's the enemy speaking to you. Anytime you feel hope dying, that's the enemy talking. What is hope? Hope is an experience. Expectancy of the future You can't wait For the future That's why Jeremiah twenty-nine, eleven says I will give you a hope and a future When you don't know The answers to your problems But you feel a sense of Excitement And anticipation That's the spirit of the Lord When you feel like there's no use In praying and there's no use in hoping That's the spirit of the enemy and so when the parable unfolds and the neighbor says, don't bother me, don't bother me, I cannot help you, just know this, that's the voice of the enemy. If you look in the mirror and you feel like you don't look good, you, you don't feel like you are up to par. And you feel your depression sinking and your hope fading. That's the enemy. Now the question that we have to ask is why is the enemy after you so intently? I don't know about you, but I feel like the enemy comes after me every second of every single day. Are you with me? Say yes. There's constantly this battle for hope. I want to believe. It's hard to believe. I want to believe. It's hard to believe. I want to trust in you. I'm having trouble trusting in you. It's back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It's almost as if the enemy never takes a rest. And so you have to ask yourself the question, why? Are you that important that he never takes a rest? The answer is very quickly, absolutely. But let's unpack it just for a second. What is actually on the line? My alarm oftentimes throughout the week goes off at four in the morning to get up to pray. I didn't know That for the past several weeks, my wife has been having terrible anxiety in the middle of the night. I didn't know that. She just told me last week, but it's been going on for weeks. In the middle of the night, she has these fits of anxiety so great that it wakes her up and she's covered in sweat. And at first I was like, why haven't you told me? You know, because, yeah, I can do something about it. Of course, I can't do anything about it. That's probably why she didn't tell me she didn't want to make me fret over something I can't fix. We've all been there before. But she started putting it together that she was going into these fits of anxiety at the same time that she raised, put her hand on my side of the pillow and I'm not there. The same time as I'm upstairs calling on God before the sun comes up, Satan is already up and he's buffeting her. He's buffeting her. He's tormenting her. Why? He cannot get to me at that moment because I am in praising in the presence of God so he will get to the next closest one some way somehow he's got to stop me and in full transparency when I found out the degree of anxiety that she was having I honestly thought maybe I should pray less and I'll start praying in the afternoon it's less of a sacrifice maybe she won't be tormented anymore then I thought, no, that's part of his plan. So what is going on here? What will happen if I quit? What will happen if I quit? What will happen if you quit? What will happen if you quit? What will happen if you stop coming to church? What will happen if you stop praying fervently? What will happen? Two things. Number one, whatever God has for you. Remains in waiting. That's number one. You may find yourself settling. For something far less than what he has planned for you. But number two. The collateral effect. My wife would know that I quit. My kids can hear me through the wall. I didn't know that. It was very awkward to find that out. My kids notice that I quit. If you quit, it's not just your destiny. It's your wife. It's your husband. It's your children. It's the friends. Everybody notices you're just the first domino. So yeah, he does not sleep. And the very last point of the parable... Was if you keep on asking, you will receive whatever you ask for. Whatever you ask for. Whatever you ask for. Some people faint and quit just before they get their breakthrough. I want to tell you if you set your alarm in the middle of the night. Or set your ar- your alarm early to get up and pray. And it goes off and you think, I'm not getting up, I'm tired. If you just wait, you can almost hear the angel next to you saying, come on, get up, get up, get up, get up. Because the reward is great. Every great sacrifice has a great reward in the balance. Come on, put your hands together. Every great sacrifice has a great reward in the balance. Some football teams, not gonna say the ones, can march 80 yards from one, from yard one to yard 20 easily. Some football teams can march 80 yards, but the problem is from end zone to end zone, it's a hundred yards. The last 20 yards is what they call the red zone. There's a lot of football teams that all of their scores are multiples of three because they just kick field goals. They can't score a touchdown. Because in the red zone, the defense heightens their intensity. And when the defense heightens their intensity, they're done. They can get 80 yards. They just can't get the last 20. I want to tell you, in this day and age, with what's on the line, we are living in the red zone. Your children are on the line. I was done praying the other day, and then I decided to not be done praying. And I said to the Lord, too much is at stake. I can't stop praying. Isaiah 62, 3. Those of you who pray, give yourself no rest until he completes his work. There's too much on the line. Put your hands together for that. Too much on the line. Too much on the line. Let me share with you a testimony of somebody that's been touched by the Lord. Why do I share these testimonies? Because if God can move powerfully in another person's life, he can move powerfully in yours. Take a look at this.
1: I guess it was a couple of Sundays ago we were here and uh, at the end of the service, you know, Pastor Frank he had a word of knowledge and he stepped up and he said, you know, I'm looking for people here with uh, respiratory issues. I'm a uh, post-COVID patient at this point. I was six days in the hospital back in February with COVID. Uh, and after I've recovered from that, I've had struggles and issues with uh, the physical side of it continued body aches, just things that happened with it. But the biggest part was the depression that came with it and uh, not knowing how to deal with that. And my wife and I had dealt with that for probably two or three weeks. It was kind of getting worse to the point where I didn't really know where to go. Uh, I went to the front and uh, stood there waiting for prayer and uh, Pastor, Pastor Frankie's uh, assistant came up and asked me whether I were for respiratory. So when he came down to pray, he uh, asked me, you know what are you here for prayer for and i said i'm a post-covid patient i've had some struggles with post-covid some fears that are involved with that some physical issues that i need prayer over so at that point he put his hands on me started to pray and he was asking me, said can you feel anything and i stood up for a minute and said absolutely i said i feel a warmth but all of a sudden i realized it got very quiet it was a very quiet moment uh I remember the, it's kind of like the light in the room got bright, but I knew it was just him and I standing there. And, uh, he continued to pray over me. And at some point I really didn't, did, did not hear his prayer other than I could feel the prayer. And that, uh, it was a very emotional moment for me at that point. And, uh, he got through and went back to my seat and I thought, wow, that was, that was a neat experience. Monday morning I got up and I thought, well, I feel pretty good. I felt a lot better. So as the week wore along, my energy levels came up. Uh, I didn't have that sense of depression falling over me at that point in time. And it's been approximately three weeks now, and I haven't not had any more issues with that. So, you know, you go up and you ask for prayer, you ask for healing, and God will deliver that healing. And I feel like that's exactly what happened to me because, you know, this is my praise report, that God healed me during that time and that... Uh, I no longer have any post-COVID experiences. I've had uh, doctor visit follow-ups the last few days. Everything's fine, my blood works great. Physically, I'm doing really well. So, uh, glory to God for the good health report.
0: You know, when, when, when something's going wrong in your body and you can't fix it, and you go meet with a doctor and you, find, you you realize real quickly, they can't fix it either. It's a debilitating moment. Last year, out of nowhere, my heart would start beating like 120 beats per second. And um, I couldn't breathe a full breath. So it was like I had severe asthma. I couldn't get air in. So I took an inhaler and I still couldn't get full air in. Went to every doctor you can think of. <gasps> I'm constant all day, <gasps> like that. I was laying on the couch. I think I was watching TV and then I closed my eyes and I breathed, And I got my first full breath in months. And I just felt the spirit of the Lord tell me, you're healed. And it was done. Lloyd just mentioned. He started realizing, realize he felt the warmth, the healing warmth of God here in the sanctuary. But as the week went on, he realized, I'm healed. For whatever reason the Lord has opened up the windows of heaven in this church and people get healed every single Sunday and people will get healed this Sunday not everybody we pray for gets healed the first time we pray for them sometimes we have to pray for them 79 times but it's worth it on that 79th time. Some people are still believing for their healing right now. And to you, I would say the most courageous prayer that you can pray is the prayer that you've prayed 78 times, and but you're willing to pray a 79th time. That's the most courageous prayer you can pray. But the Spirit of the Lord is in this place. And every time we share a testimony, it has a prophetic power to it. Revelations 19.10, it says, The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. We just testified of what he has done, and now we are going to see what he's about to do. Let's all stand to our feet for me, please. I'd like the prayer partners to come down all throughout the room all the prayer partners. Most of the moves of God and the healings that take place do not take place with me praying for them. They take place from the prayer partners. If you get healed at Celebration Church, the only thing we ask you to do is to give him glory. And you give him glory by testifying about it. And we want to be the first one. If you don't testify about it, you're holding the glory to yourself. That's as wrong as me trying to take the glory. Well, people get healed because I prayed for them. That's me taking the glory and the Lord will strike me down for that. So you have to give it and I got to stay away from it. If you would, would you just put your hands out like this, like you're going to receive something. Close your eyes and look up to the heavens and try to the best of your ability. Imagine looking at his face to the best of your ability. The Holy Spirit will help you if you're just patient. In a few moments, I'm going to invite people to come down for healing. To pray with prayer partners. But if you're in this room... And you are not sure where you would spend eternity if your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes. You're the most important person in this room. I want you to come out of your seat when the moment comes and take the hand of a prayer partner and say, I need to get my life right with God. The Bible says if you're ashamed of him in front of people, He will be ashamed of you in front of the Father. And so when that moment comes, I want you to come out of your seat as quickly as you can. With your mind's attention on him, I believe that the Holy Spirit is just going to start touching you. In a way that you know that he's blessing you. Sometimes at this moment of the service, I feel like the Lord gives me a word of knowledge, which... Prophecy says what he is going to do. A word of knowledge is what he is about to do. And if I describe you, that means that the Lord just whispered your condition to me because today's your day to be healed. And so if it's you, I just want you to raise your hand and come out of your seat if you're new here and I, and it's you that I'm talking about I know it's super scary to come out of your seat but I'm not going to embarrass you I'm just going to take my mic off and I'm going to come pray with you at the end of the service that's it but if nobody raises their hand and nobody comes out of their seat that means that either A they're online and if it's you just claim your healing or B I missed it. I thought God was talking to me and he wasn't. But let me ask, is there someone here that's having this constant ringing in your ears? Constant ringing. It's like it just never goes away. If it's you, I want you to come out of your seat and uh, and just come stand right here. It just never goes away. I believe that you're about to get healed. You're about to get healed. Just put your hands up. Put your hands up. Is any one of you hear the ringing right now? Do you hear it 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 right now? So one, two, three, four, five. Five of you hear it right now. You hear it right now. All right, come stand right here. I believe the Spirit of the Lord is going to touch you before I pray for you so as soon as you know, is it you as well? Do you hear it right now? Not right now. It's only at nighttime. Okay. As soon as it stops, I just want you to wave at me and say, it stopped. Because I believe the spirit of the Lord is going to heal you before I pray for you. And if he doesn't, I'll come down and pray with you. But what I want you to do is just look up into heaven, close your eyes, don't pray, just focus on his face. Don't pray, focus on his face. Put your hands out like you're going to receive something from him. What somebody spoke to me a couple weeks ago, they said, I kept waiting week after week for you to describe what I'm fighting, my physical thing that I'm fighting, but you never said it and my heart broke because these prayer partners many of them have greater faith than I do and even greater spiritual gifts than I have so whatever you need whatever you need I want you to come out of your seat right now and take the hand of a prayer partner and let them pray with you there's going to be no official dismissal but We live for the spirit of the Lord. And so you leave whenever you get ready. Let's sing this song one time through before anybody goes. I love you. I love you so much. I know I don't know you, but I feel it. I love you so much. Be blessed in the name of the Lord.